Well, hello, and I want to welcome you to the Victory Church Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Horton. I'm here to bring you a short message that's designed to help you become all that God created you to be and to live your life to the fullest. Thank you so much for listening. Let's get into today's message. Welcome again to our Victory Weekly Podcasts. I hope you're doing well. Pastor Mitch Horton here. Um, We have been talking for a a few weeks now, never knew it was going to go this long, about uh, 10 ways the Holy Spirit works in us. Y'all, we're living in a crazy day. Anything could happen at any time. Really, it looks like we could be fairly close to uh, what people typically call the tribulation actually beginning. So that's the reason that we really need to be on our are uh, really be on it spiritually and, and really be seeking the Lord because uh, things could become volatile and, and change rapidly at any time. I have been talking again about 10 ways the Holy Spirit works in us uh, uh, and mentioning this scripture each time, John 16, 13, where Jesus said, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will t- tell you things to come. So again, the Holy Spirit is the person that we want m- directing our lives. Is it not true right now? And we want we want to hear from him. We want to obey him. And we want to yield to him. So been talking about 10 ways the Holy Spirit works in us. Uh, we've mentioned the first five. We're on number six. The first one is the Holy Spirit creates in us, uh, creates unity in the body of Christ. So again, all of this is in past podcasts. Secondly, the Holy Spirit gives us the desire to be like Jesus. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit produces in us a sense of righteousness, of right standing with God. Number four, the Holy Spirit seeks to keep us pure. And number five, the Holy Spirit will lead us away from the harmful effects of our culture. So we've gone into great detail in those. I hope you'll go back if you haven't listened and listen to them. But this is a <laughs> this is like the third time I've been on number six. It's hard to get off of it, so much to it. The Holy Spirit get, will give us a sense of belonging with the Father or being loved by God our Father. There is nobody, listen, that can love you like God can because we grow, and this is the things I've shared past a couple of podcasts, because we're raised uh, in dysfunctional families or because our, fam- our parents are, are not perfect people, then, you know, their love is always tainted with uh with elements of human selfishness, it's just the way all of us are. So, again, we need to we need to make sure that that we are able to really come close to the Lord. And so, I use this term: the Holy Spirit will give us a sense of belonging with the Father. That means that we know that we're welcomed in His presence. We know that we're deeply loved by Him. And if you know that about God as your Father, then regardless of the problems you have in life, regardless of the personal uh, personal thing, issues, character issues you have or issues you have with someone else or anything else in life on the outside. You know, you know you have a place in God's heart. You can go to Him and you can talk to Him. So last time I talked about four false beliefs that, that we often receive from living in a fallen world and, and that often are uh, coming to our lives through our families and just through, you know, rubbing elbows with other people who are fallen people just like us. And uh, then we talked about how, how our relationship with Jesus can cure those four false beliefs. If you didn't listen, that go back and listen to it. Today, I want to get really practical about overcoming roadblocks and getting close to the Lord. 
And, um, you know, it, it's, it, listen, the, the Word of God has an amazing way of eking its way, way down into the recesses of your thoughts and your motives and really bringing some personal transformation. And uh, so I just want to talk about that. So let's talk about opening up to the Father's love. Uh, see, here are four, um, four actions you can take to change your experience of God's love. And again, if you have a hard time going to the Lord feeling like He's upset, set with you, angry with you, or that in some way, you know, He's not paying attention to you, you know, those are, those are thoughts and those are uh, feelings that we can overcome. It just takes time. So here are four things you can do to uh, begin to experience God's love on a personal, relational level. And, and it, just, it just takes time. Number one, compare God's character to your parents. That is, consciously recognize when your thoughts and feelings are forming a barrier between you and the Lord. Now, you know, let me just say, I, my, I have some great parents. I love my mother, my father. My mother actually lives with me now, and uh, I love my mother. I love my father. And generally speaking, I had a really wholesome home life. I had a really good home life, but it wasn't a perfect home life. So, you know, we have, we have perceptions that we gain as children uh, just by being in certain environments and atmospheres. So, you know, when I came to the Lord, for whatever reason, there were reasons. When I came to the Lord, I felt like I wasn't so sure he wanted to spend time with me. Or, and I really felt like he loved me because he had to, not because he wanted to. Somehow that eked its way into my life. So, you know, often is the case that, often is the case that we, we, um, we, we see God through the mirror of our parents. And, you know, it, it takes time to, to work our way through through that, you know, I love my father. I had a wonderful father. He died, um, uh, gosh, he died, uh, uh, geez, uh, 11 years ago, March. And uh, I miss him every single day. And, uh, but you know, um, you know, he, he was, uh, had, had a tremendous work ethic. And I allowed some of those things to create a barrier between me and God. Uh, I love my father, had a good relationship with my father, but he was very task-oriented, and I tend to be that way myself now. And because of that, I think that when I came to the Lord, it, it was as though I felt like I was getting in His way or something. So there was a barrier between me and the Lord. I've got a, an exercise I want to do here real quickly, and it hopefully won't take very much time. I've got a list of words. I want to read them, and this is better if you can see this. And uh, if you want this, if you'll email me at pastor at victorychurchraleigh.com, I can send you this list. But I've got a list of words that are, that are uh, feeling words that, um, that, that you can use to see, to see how, you know, something that may be a barrier between you and the Lord. So, you know, what you do when you, when you hear these words, do these words apply to your mother, to your father, or to both? So when we do it uh, in print form, you can put an M for mother or F for father beside the words that I'm about to convey to you. So these are feeling words. And, you know, if, if some of these strike home and, and the, some of the negative ones strike home, it may be that you're wrestling with, uh, with feeling that God is less than close to you or wants to be less than close to you. So here you go. Here we go. Here's, here's some of these words. So, so this is relating to mother, father. So your mother, your father, or your care providers if you weren't raised at home with a mom and dad. 
And I've done this exercise and I, I saw where I needed to work on some things. So here are the words, feeling words, gentle. When you talk about your parents, mother, father, gentle, stern, loving, disapproving, distant, close, intimate, kind, angry, caring, demanding, harsh, trustworthy, joyful, forgiving, good, cherishing, impatient, unreasonable, strong, protective, passive, encouraging, sensitive, unpredictable. So again, those are a lot of words, and I don't expect you to remember all those. Again, email me at pastor at victorychurchraleigh.com if you're interested in this in this list, if you uh, if some of these got your attention and and they were part of your your being raised in your family, uh, it, these words they may cause issues between you and being able you being able to get close to the Lord. So so here are some of them that that maybe uh, have been a challenge for you: stern, uh, disapproving, distant, uh, angry, uh, demanding, harsh, uh, impatient, unreasonable. Uh, and unpredictable. So again, um, if if those words really kind of sting, yeah, maybe you got some things to deal with between you and your mom and dad. Again, our mother and father are like a mirror that show us what God is like. So we, our concept of God is mirrored through our parents. So it's skewed. If our parents weren't perfect people, and most of our parents aren't perfect people, so we often have things we have to deal with. Again, Exodus 34, 7 says this, I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations. I, I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin, but I do not excuse the guilty. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and grandchildren. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generation. So, you know, when there's, when there's issues at home, in, in the concepts of mom and dad and care and nurture and love. See, those things often pass from generation to generation. They're transgenerational sins. Um, uh, and so Proverbs 22.6 fulfills itself, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. So again, mirror, see God, consciously recognize your thoughts and feelings that may be forming a barrier between you and God. When I first came to the Lord, you know, I felt like God didn't want to have anything to do with me. Let me tell you where it went in my mind um, and in my thoughts. Um, and I, I love my father. I had really had a good relationship with him. But I was very young when one particular two things happened. And I think it affected uh, me thinking that God wanted to have something to do with me uh, on, in a real sincere way. Um, uh, my father worked and he would come home a certain time every day. He would eat and then go to a chair in our den and then at the time, newspapers were all you could, there was no internet or anything. So he'd read the, the, the news, daily newspaper, and he would always have it up in front of him. Well, I was so excited to see my dad one day that when, um, uh, after he finished eating and he was in his chair, I just ran over to the chair. He's got his paper up. I couldn't see his face or his torso because he was covered up with paper reading it. I just, boom, slammed that on the paper and instead of going, oh, Mitch, I love you, my dad said, don't you ever do that again. Now, I don't think he meant anything bad by that, and I certainly have forgiven my father, but it made me feel like I can never really, got to be careful when I approach my dad. 
and be careful that he's not busy doing something else or whatever. And, you know, when I came to the Lord, wow, that seemed to come up. Another time was my dad was working in the flower bed in the, in, on the side of our house, and he had just poured a new sidewalk all the way around uh, the house, and it made kind of a U-shape, and then there were bushes and things and plants and flowers that he planted inside of the U-shaped between that and the building, the um, uh, walkway. But uh, So he was out there working one day, and I was on my tricycle. So, you know, I had to be, what, three maybe? I don't know. Um, uh, and, and I got a little bit too close. He had a pitchfork in his hand, and he kept telling me not to get close to him. And I kept doing this thing he told me not to do. I'm just three. Well, boy, he took that pitchfork. He slammed my, he slammed it down on the, um, on on my on on the uh, um, tricycle, uh, the handlebars, and oh my goodness, bent them a little bit, and that scared me so much. And and again, the idea behind that was, I don't get near Daddy unless Daddy gives me permission, and I I better steer clear. So you know, unconsciously. I think when I when I you know came to the Lord age eighteen, had an experience with Jesus, trying to get close to the Lord. Wow, I I I felt I found out there was a barrier, and I think some of that had something to do with it. So, you know, I had to say, Lord, what can I do? How can I get closer to you? Because I I'm not getting where I want to be. So so first thing to 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 get close to the Lord. Number one, compare God's character to your parents. All of our parents are imperfect, so you gotta let them off the hook forgive them. But then, you know, God is nothing like your parents. In some ways, yes, but in most ways, no. He's so kind, loving, caring, and accepting of you. So second thing, there's four things we can do to get closer to the Lord. Tell the Lord that you want Him more than any person in your life. Just tell Him that. Consciously acknowledge to the Lord. Say, Lord, my mind and my emotions are creating a barrier between you uh, and me, and 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 then you got to choose by faith. Lord, your word says you love me, and if your word says you love me and want to be close to me, then that's it. You do. And now I did that, and then there were scriptures that I went to over and over again. I'm going to read them, uh, hopefully fairly quickly here, because um, I got a lot to cover. But I began to read these scriptures over and over again, and they revealed to me how much the Lord loved me because my mind was telling me to steer clear. He may not want to bother, bother with you right now. So here's how I cured it. I went to the Word and found out what the Bible said about God's care for me. John 16, 27, Amplified Bible. For the Father himself tenderly loves you because you have loved me and believe that I came out from God. When, when, and that's the Amplified. For the Father himself tenderly loves you. That word for love there is not the word agape, which is the word in the Bible for God's unconditional love for us. No, this is the Greek word phileo, where we get our word friendship. God doesn't love me because, and here's what this verse says, God doesn't love me because he has to. He loves me because he wants to. For the Father himself phileos you, tenderly loves you, wants to know you because you have loved me. Believe that I came out from the Father. Oh, wow. I got a hold of that one day, and it really began to rock my world and open me up to the idea that God wanted to be close to me. John 17, 23, Jesus said, New Living Translation, I in them and you in me, may they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. When I read that, boy, it rocked my world again. God loves me 
just as much as he loves his own son. You got to say it out loud almost because it doesn't register on you. God loves me as much as he loves his own son. And then John 16, 27, the Lord wants to be near me, wants to be close to me. He wants me to spend time with him. Psalm 103, 8 through 14, the Lord is compassionate, merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve for his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are. He remembers that we are only dust. So that passage is, I have read that so many times in my life. It's helped me so much. Psalm 103, 8 through 14, God's compassion, his mercy. He's slow to get angry, filled with unfailing love. It doesn't constantly accuse us. It doesn't remain angry forever. Those are concepts that are incredible. So if you have anything inside of you that makes you feel like the Lord is miffed with you, not upset with you, not completely satisfied with you. You know, you, you, you got to find a way to mentally and emotionally deal with that. And for me, when I got these scriptures that I just read to you, um, John 16, 27, and John 17, 23, and here, Psalm 103, 8 through 14, those are tremendous passages. I don't think I'm going to take time uh, today to read Psalm 139. Go back and read Psalm 139, because it shows the closeness of the Lord. Um, he knows everything about us when we go, to, when we lay down, when we rise up, every word, every thought, every motivation of our heart. He formed our days before we were born. He wrote down the days of our life before, before we were ever born. So he knows everything that can be known about us and still loves us. Go back and read sometime Psalm 139. Psalm 145, verses 8 and 9, the Lord is merciful, compassionate slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. The Lord is good to everyone. He showers compassion over all of his creation. The Lord is merciful, compassionate, slow to get angry. That's amazing, isn't it? Filled with unfailing love. That word compassion, Webster's Dictionary, when it says the Lord is, is compassionate, that word compassion, listen to what Webster's defines it as, deep feeling for and understanding of misery and suffering, and the concomitant desire to promote its alleviation, spiritual consciousness of personal tragedy of another, and the selfless tenderness directed towards it. God has a deep feeling of understanding for where we are in life, who we are, and how we feel. This meant so much to me. I took this Webster's Dictionary definition wrote it in the margin of my wide margin Bible many, many years ago and would read it over and over again as I read Psalm 145, verses 8 and 9. Again, the Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry, filled with unfailing love. Uh, the Lord is merciful. Mercy is a blessing, by, according to Webster's Dictionary, a blessing regarded as an act of divine favor or compassion, relief or distress, compassion shown to victims of misfortune. So God has mercy towards us. In Psalm 146, verse 8, the Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises up those who were bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. Jeremiah 31, 3, the Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, 
I have drawn you. And that, that verse has ministered to me so many times. I've loved you with an everlasting love. It has no beginning and has no end. It's just constant and ceaseless. He says, therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn you. And this is often quoted these days, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. First John 3, 1 amplified, listen to this and see what an incredible quality of love the Father has given, has shown, bestowed on us, that we should be permitted to be named and called and counted the children of God. There's a tremendous amount of love that God has for us according to 1 John 3, 1. Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates his own love towards us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then Isaiah 54.10, listen to this. This is so good. Uh, for the mountain, Isaiah 54.10 says, for the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from you, nor shall my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has mercy on you. That, that's an amazing, amazing promise that God says the earth is going to change. The earth may change and be removed, but his kindness will never depart from us. That is incredible. So, you know, I know I've given you a lot of scripture here. And again, if you will email me at pastor at victorychurchraleigh.com, I will send these right back to you. They have meant so much to me over the years. So, you know, again, I, when I compared, you know, um, how, I, how, how my parents were, and how I, uh, uh, how I felt towards God or felt that God felt towards me as being mirrored through the, through the lens of my parents, I saw that I had to make some changes on, on and how I thought about God. And I just went to the Word in these scriptures. I read them over and over and over. And then the third point here on four things to do to overcome the wrong concepts of God is meditate on what God reveals about Himself. So I would take those scriptures and read them over and over and meditate. Meditate means to muse, to ponder, to speak, to chew the cud. It means to think about it. So take those scriptures, and I would read them over and over and over and over and over and over, just that redundantly. And you know, it began to change the idea I had in my mind that God was aloof. He was uh, distant. Didn't really want to take the time to you know, hassle with me because he's got so many other things to deal with. That's just not the way our God is. It's just not him. Uh, the fourth thing in overcoming the wrong concepts of God is create a siege mentality. And um, a siege is, you know, back in Bible days, the cities had, had walls around them and an and a enemy army that wanted to take over a city. They would siege the city. That is, put their forces around the perimeter of the city uh, and, and not allow any supplies to go in or they wouldn't let, allow anything to go out. So eventually the uh, city would consider, the people in the city would, would, would uh, use up all of their resources and have no food and probably very limited water. And then, and then they would just beat them down, beat them down, beat them down, and eventually just take over the city. That's called a siege mentality. So, you know, I found that I needed to do that with my mind and with my emotions when I was thinking about the Lord and how much he loved me because my mind would tell me he's too busy, he doesn't care, he's aloof. But I said, no, no, no. And I'd go back to those scriptures. You know, John 16, you know, 27, John 17, 23, and then Psalm 145, verses 8 and 9. 
and Psalm 146, verse 8, and Psalm 103, 8 through 14, and Psalm 139, I would, Isaiah 40, 54, 10, I just read them over and over and over, meditate on them, sieging my mind. When my mind said, God's too busy, he doesn't care, leave him alone. I say, no, 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 he does care. He loves me just as much as he loves his own son. And you know what happened? Eventually, I had a real breakthrough, and I felt that God really, really cared about me and loved me, and, and I've carried that through the duration of my of my life, and the Lord has been really, really wonderful. I want to leave you. Now, this happened many years ago, back in 1976, when I first came to the Lord. There's a book that I came across by Kenneth Hagin, and it was fairly new at the time. And it was a hardback, a hard copy. I got a hard copy. There's soft copies now in even digital form. You can find this on Amazon. It's called Growing Up Spiritually. And um, there was one chapter there uh, called Walking With Your Father. I think it's chapter 5. I read through that book, and when I got to chapter 5, I just, I just had to stop because I had never read anything like I'm about to read. I don't want to read a portion of that chapter that just really helped me when it came to knowing that God loved me and knowing that He cared about me because I felt like He was harsh, distant, austere, and um, you know, aloof and, and really didn't have time for me. And uh, boy, this the when I read this, it, I actually first time I read it, I wept the first few times because it, it meant so much to me. And this is again by Kenneth Hagin, but um, I, I just can't tell you what it did to me. So he reads in chapter five on through the chapter. I'm not reading the whole chapter, just a portion. Psalm one, tw- uh, Psalm twenty three, which is the shepherd's psalm. The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want. He reads that and. Then he makes some commentary about it that just, just helped me. And I'd read it. I read it as an 18-year-old boy over and over and over again. And you know what? It began to melt my heart when I was really challenged as to whether or not the Lord cared for me. And so he read Psalm 23 here in the book. I'm not going to read that, but let me read his commentary. Then he says, To me, no passage describes the love attitude of the Father in Jesus towards us more beautifully than Psalm 23. Many psalms are prophetic, he mentions, and so and I'll skip that paragraph. He says, we're living in the 23rd Psalm right now. The Lord is my shepherd. When Jesus came, he said, I am, present tense, the good shepherd. Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus or Jesus as Lord, the Lord is my shepherd. He says, we live now in the 23rd Psalm. This is my interpretation of the 23rd Psalm. And he said, I always say it this way. The Lord is my shepherd. I do not want. I do not want. Perfect satisfaction, the ultimate of living. Verse 2 is where the luscious clover and tender grass carpet the ground. No effort on my part is required to have or to get enough. He leads me by the waters, waters of stillness. Water and food are the requisites that sustain life. Thank God he leads me and supplies my every need. He makes me lie down and rest in safety and quietness in the pastures of plenty. Near me is a babbling brook. Its living water answers the cry of my heart. I have water. I have food. I have protection. I have shelter. I have his care. This is my father. When I'm frightened and filled with fear, when my whole being is convulsed with agony, he restores my soul. He keeps me quiet. He makes me normal again. He brushes away my fears and anxieties, holds me to his breast, and breathes into me courage and faith. My heart laughs at my enemies, for he guides me down the paths of grace through the realm of righteousness, where I stand in his presence as though sin had never been, and romp and play in the throne room of grace with never a thought nor a fear, 
nor a dread. My Father, you see, is the one who is on the throne. He may be judge to the world and God to the sinner, but he's Father to me. And sometimes I come in, and I would begin to weep as an 18, 19-year-old when I read this. It did something to me, and it still does today. And he goes on to say, and sometimes I come in most of the time, in fact, to visit with him, and I hear him say, son, is there anything you want? What can I do for you? And I say, Father, I don't want a thing. You're so wonderful and so lovely and so good. You've already provided for me all I'll ever need. And you wrote me a letter and told me about it. So don't, I don't have a care. I don't have a need. I don't have a want that hasn't been met. No, I didn't come for something. I tell you, Father, I just came in to visit with you for a while. I just wanted to hang around the throne. I like to be near you, Father. I would read that and just weep my eyes out because I think I like that closeness in my life. And you know, I found that closeness with the Lord now. And then he goes on to say in his book, as I conclude, my father, he said to me, oh, I could hear his voice. Um, Kenneth Hagin says, I could hear his voice so plainly as God spoke to me. Son, you don't know how that delights my heart. No earthly father ever desired the companionship and the fellowship of his children any more than I, the heavenly father, desire the fellowship and companionship of my children. You know, he said to me, I made man so I'd have someone to fellowship with. I made man for my companion. In fact, I'll put it this way. And he said it to me in just these words. I made man so I'd have someone to pal with. I put Adam on this earth in the garden. And in the cool of the day, I'd go down and walk and talk with him. And then he ends it by saying, it's so blessed and so beautiful and so wonderful to be able to walk with God. So, you know, for whatever I had to deal with in my childhood and um, the isolation and the loneliness I often felt for whatever reason when I came to Jesus. And, you know, again, let me emphasize I love my parents. I love my mother. I love my father. But, you know, they weren't perfect people. And for whatever reason, I got a concept that, you know, sometimes people close to me just put up with me and don't love or care for me. And, and I felt that way towards the Lord. And, you know, God had to do a work in my life where he showed me that he loved me. He cared for me. He wanted to be with me. And it happened through his word. And I want to encourage you, this is a day to draw close to the Lord. That the Holy Spirit wants to create in us a sense of belonging with the Father. If you don't have that today, ask God to help you. Ask him to help you to get close to him and ask him to help you to remove the barriers that get in the way of closeness between him and you. And Lord, I, I just pray again today as we conclude, may the Holy Spirit work deeply in the heart of every person who is listening to this right now. And if there's any conflict, if there's any barrier that would keep us from closeness with you, Lord, let the barriers be removed through your word. And I commit that to you. In Jesus' name. Again, if you like some of those lists, the list of scriptures or the list of those, uh, of those feeling words that I had, uh, feel free to um, email me at pastor at victorychurchraleigh.com. I'll send them right back to you. God bless you. I hope your day goes well. Looking forward to talking to you next time. God bless. Thanks for listening to the Victory Church Weekly Podcast. I hope you're able to get something out of the message today. Before you leave, please make sure uh, that you subscribe or leave a review on whatever platform that you're listening from. Doing this goes a long way in helping us reach a wider audience. Lastly, 
If you want to reach out with questions, concerns, prayer requests, or comments about today's content, you can email me at pastor at victorychurchraleigh.com. I would love to hear from you. Now go out there and be all that God created you to be today. God bless you.